0: Good evening, Sydney. It is 8.15. You are on two twins and a mic. It is 35 degrees and it's a lovely night. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone. We're just kidding. It is Sam and Eli, your favorite podcasters. And yes, guys, we know we have been slightly inconsistent. and But we're back and we're going to just keep keep trying to chug along and keep our podcast coming through. So, as you guys may know, recently we've had the FIFA World Cup going on and it's been a pretty eventful World Cup both on the field and even off the field. And Sam and I were talking today that we essentially wanted to discuss um, a pretty serious issue um, that's kind of been, not plaguing because the World Cup has largely been a very positive experience. But there has been some strong uh, let's just say, negative sentiment from a lot of Western Anglo media towards Qatar's, Qatar's hosting of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. And the honest truth is a lot of the, um, as a person who is Middle Eastern and, and um, of a Muslim background, it's, it can be very triggering, a lot of the um, commentary, that's been circulating um, about the Qatar World Cup so the reason why it's a big deal is that it's being hosted in a country which um, you know I guess you could say like we've never really the Middle East has never really had any major event whether that's Olympics or like a sporting event um, ever hosted in that part of the world and um, on, on top of that you know, this is um, a major, like, the, the World Cup is an event which will be drawing a lot of attention um, towards, you know, that uh, a particular place, which is really the Arab world and the Arab culture and the Arab people. And so it was a chance to show the world that, hey, look at us, you know, we're the same as you, you know, we like, um, we, you know, we love sports. Um, you know, we we have favorite teams. We can be tribal. We can, um, you know, we have we can have fun. We love to have fun. Um, just basically humanizing the Arab world, and um, unfortunately, it seems like um, there was segments of society, specifically Western English society, that didn't want that representation to be out there, and basically went about sabotaging um, the games from the start. And that start essentially is when Qatar was handed the World Cup. There was a lot of allegations thrown about bribery and the fact that you know FIFA is allegedly corrupt and that Qatar had basically paid their way to um, get the rights to host the game. And that's a very unfortunate statement because um, a lot of people's arguments about why Qatar shouldn't host the World Cup centers around some, some uh, let's just say, like moot arguments about, for example, the weather. The weather is too hot. I'm not too sure what it is about Anglo people or Anglo-Western culture and their obsession about weather, right? So they were saying, you know, Qatar is a hot climate. Um, you can't host games there. Plus, they said... That that part of the world, which they're saying the Arab part of the world, um, doesn't have a soccer culture, and I guess if you're Middle Eastern, you understand that the Middle East doesn't have any other national sport besides soccer or football, right? I'm using the words interchangeably here, so it's just it's a it's like it's almost a completely ridiculous argument because they're more fanatical about soccer than say Australians who let's be, and Australia was one of the Australian media, I should be clear and segments of Australian society that, you know, they're like Australia who had also been um, bidding for the world cup, didn't get it. So they, they were just like, Oh, you know, we were, Australia was shafted. Like we, we should have got the world cup, you know, Qatar doesn't have a, a, a soccer or football culture, which is a completely ridiculous argument because, you know, it wasn't so long ago that in Australia, Australians, Australian media, they used to demonize soccer. They used to basically call it a wog sport. And a wog sport in the sense that, you know, it's it's for ethnics. Like, they, they literally would, um, you know, like almost be very dismissive. And... Um, it's the fifth most sport it's, in it is the fifth most popular sport in Australia. Um, but it, it's in a sense they were just so rude about it, right? And then, like... You know, Australian, the Australian team is doing, like, has done really well. They made it to the round of 16 in, in 2022. And even in, um, what was it, 2006, we made it to round of 16. Like, it's, it's becoming, and especially because we, we have a, a, a larger immigrant population and the kids, you know, and also like Australian culture is becoming more um, inclusive towards soccer. So it was just, it's really unfortunate because, you know, the soccer or football culture has existed. Um, in the Middle East, a lot longer than it has in Australia or even in America, right? Not, not, not to say England or the UK because that's where soccer was invented, right? But um, it was just, it's just, so, it was just so rude. Um, and then the other argument that um, the reason why Qatar can't host it was, you know, center around you know issues around human rights. We'll get to that in a second. Plus. Um, Uh, so human rights which is inclusive of like slave labor um, LGBTQI stuff um, and yeah I think those were pretty much the three dominant arguments now you know what's what's really unfortunate is um, you know Qatar basically um, was you know so they won the world cup and um, you know in terms of the the, the vitriol or the vitriol towards um, Qatar like it was just non non like incessant like it was just continuous yeah relentless, yeah. Yeah, relentless. just from the, from from the time they got the like they won the bid to the time they hosted the games and um, yeah like I, I just what really frustrated me was uh, so I found out that when Qatar was hosting the opening ceremony to the World Cup, basically the uk the bbc was it broadcasting um the opening ceremony they decided not to broadcast the opening ceremony to the world cup in protest uh, because they said that you know qatar does not or it criminalizes homosexuality in their country and i'll get to uh, that that breakdown analysis in shortly um and then we saw in australia Like, this media campaign basically saying, um, you know, they were just trying to... It was just so negative. It was just trying to find any, like, any issue, which is one of them was around the accommodation because it's a huge World Cup. There's going to be so many people, right? So, they were just saying... So, basically, what Qatar did was they... um, There was certain premises where they built... uh, They placed container ships and they rigged out those container ships into, like, um, basically, hotels. And you know this is five. This is Qatar, so it's everything is five stars. So they did a really good job in terms of fitting these container ships, uh, container ships out, and building the site and the venue. And you know it looked really classy and really good. Um, and then, but Australia like was basically, and it, it was unverified. But they you know they still promote it on the news. It's just like you know this, the the accommodation site um, for the Qatar World Cup is still not finished. And you know we found this apparently somebody um you know one container ship where like um you know they're still building uh material and and construction material and whatever there. and then um what was the unfounded article that was by the by bloomberg i think um basically i'm trying to remember which was proven not to be correct um do you do you remember Uh, it was it was yeah so sam's gonna look it up um but it was just this basically stitch up, which was a, it was an article which was a complete lie and then it was proven to be a complete lie but still there was no acknowledgement because um, Australian media referenced it um, and I'm just trying to remember what the specific issue they were raising was but before, while Sam looks into that um, and then the Australian media kept harping on about like the fact that and it's not like I'm not, I don't intend to be dismissive about it, but they're like, over the 12 years or something along those lines, um, there's 6,500 migrant workers that pretty much, they said, died in Qatar. And they, their allegation was that they died building the um, 12 stadiums um, uh, for necessary for the World Cup. And again, I'm going to break down the analysis into this with Sam Uh, Soon, Maybe I'll let Sam go into it. Um, So that was another issue that was raised by Australian media. Um, And then like, you know, we had the German team and um, the UK team like wanting to wear the One Love armbands. And Qatar's like, no, you know, our values do not align with homosexuality. And then there was also the issue around Qatar. Um, Australians took issue in the UK. um, I think Americans too, about the, you know, not being able to drink beer. Um, within the stadiums but there were certain venues that the the Qatari government said you can have alcohol including hotels and whatever licensed venues but not within the stadiums and not like freely in public Um, so yeah so that's uh, largely around the controversy and then I'm going to talk about uh, the issue soon but I'm going to give Sam an opportunity um, to talk hey everyone and thank you for joining us for episode 2 of season Mm -hmm. 2 so yeah again this is one of the um the topics that really we wanted to talk about earlier and and we've been watching the world cup now i think it's been two weeks was it yep two and a half weeks maybe and straight off the bat this is it was just so blatantly obvious the um the amount of hypocrisy and double standards in western media and it was almost like so incredibly hard to ignore because on the one hand it's it's funny because you know Qatar country in the middle east they're basically you know singing all these songs about east meets west and like unity and we're all one and how they basically they say football unites the world right and the world cup is supposed to unite the world and yet most of the country like most of the countries that were like criticizing qatar um were kind of just showing their double standards or hypocrisy because on the one hand they initially, again, like Eli was saying earlier, the argument was Qatar isn't worthy. And when I say Qatar, I know it's Qatar, Qatar in Arabic. Um, Qatar is not worthy of the World Cup because it doesn't have a football, you know, culture, which is quite ridiculous uh, to assume because on the one hand, yeah, a, they are small, they are a small country. But part of the bid for the World Cup in Qatar was that it's in a very very attractive location in the world where people from all parts of the middle east africa europe and asia can easily fly into and they can because it's like dubai in a very central location and they have a great um airline and airport and all of that and you know travel for for people around that region wouldn't be too difficult and so they said this is this is a world cup for the middle east and the middle east if i last checked has a population between the combined total of the Middle East between three to four hundred million, which is equivalent to the entire population of the United States, so obviously they are able to um draw crowds, and the funny thing is, um, I think what Eli was referring to earlier, I didn't find it. They were saying that the um there was like, in the lead up to the World Cup or just a few days before it actually began, you had these um fans. Um, out on the streets of Qatar, you know, like wearing, you know, the Argentinian, um, what do you call it, like gear and, and um, flag, yeah, fan gear, and the you know the Spanish and and Portuguese and all that. And this is this is how you know the the the, the hypocrisy and um, double standards of Western media, because you know they're saying Qatar is basically exploiting, you know, cheap labor and whatever, and you know they're not really fair, but. And they were saying like all these fans they're like they're not real fans of argentina spain or brazil because they're basically south asians so they're like you basically paid a bunch of brown people to go out into the streets of the um of qatar in the lead up to the world cup because they said they knew that they didn't have um a football following or like a a vibe or 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 kind of a scene that would make the world cup feel authentic and real and so they had to pay a bunch of brown people to do so and because the comments online were incredibly derogatory most of them were from like you know western developed nations and they're like wow i've never seen brazilians that look like that or argentinians or whatever like this and and they'll be like this is more like a bollywood whatever um kind of theme or some some derogatory comments which i don't i don't want to make anyway um and i just thought that was, it was, it was ridiculous because on the one hand you know they have a very large migrant population there most of them are coming from south asia and that's not to say that people from south asia can't support argentina or brazil or portugal because many people around the world actually support teams outside of their nations because they don't actually, they're not in the world cup or they've never really made it into the world cup or they just don't really have a really good team to be in the world cup and india happens to be one of them bangladesh happens to be one of them pakistan happens to be one of them so why like just the amount of racist derogatory comments um and then the the second part after that was like it was so clear after the world cup had started you saw if you just saw all the videos online circulating the amount of fans from argentina saudi arabia mexico tunisia um morocco like there was just so many it was it was it was completely remarkable like i've never i've never seen in the history of the World Cup, um, so many fans from around the world, you know, um, showing such passion, particularly given that alcohol wasn't fueling this this energy, right? It's actually real genuine passion for the game itself. And all of a sudden, because the media was like, see, it's going to flop, it's going to flop because they can't even get um, real fans. And as soon as the real fans start, well, not the real fans, as soon as more fans from the respective countries started to arrive, the media just went silent. They didn't, They didn't actually rectify their stories. They didn't say, actually, look at all the crowds and look at all the people and look how much energy and excitement. They were looking for any reason to hate on Qatar. And that's what I really got frustrated with. Again, going back to the opening ceremony, that was one of the best opening ceremonies I've seen. And what are they doing? They're they're talking about unity and openness, you know. And, And unfortunately, it seems like a lot of Western Countries can only fixate on one kind of idea of what it means to be open and tolerant um, And that's not to say the Qataris were saying, look We have our own beliefs, we have our own values, right? And they said the country is open to anyone and everyone These are our laws, these are our rules, right? They're saying nothing's going to happen to anyone But these are the values that we live by These are the rules that we we hold to um, true to us And again, they reiterated but we're saying the country is, is open to everyone; everyone's welcome. But you have to understand, we're a conservative country. It doesn't matter whether you're a, um, a heterosexual couple or a homosexual couple. We are a conservative country, and we don't like public displays of affection. Whereas in Qatar, it's it's funny because they're trying to catch them out on like their 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 views of um, homosexuality. Look. Everyone has different views about there are different things in, in life. There are different religions. There are different. Uh, there are liberal people. There are conservatives. Um, there are people who believe in certain things and people who are against certain, you know, things. That's the thing. The world is a very diverse place with diverse opinions and, and diverse belief systems. We're not part of this kind of homogenous Eurocentric, you know, um, view of the world. Like we're we're entitled to see things differently. But they made it very clear that it's a safe place that everyone's welcome yet they, the media just wanted to harp on about um, you know LGBTQI because like they couldn't find any reason to really hate on them particularly after they've spent so much money to to, which I think a lot of them knew would be one of the best World Cups in history and this is one of the first World Cups where, where you have stadiums uh, and matches kind of happening within an hour of each other so rather than flying from one state to another or from one Part of the country to another part of the country where it could be very expensive. There was a real vibe in this World Cup. There was a real, the, the, almost the entire country became a just a a concentrated um, place for soccer. And after that ma- amazing opening ceremony, as Eli pointed out, you know the BBC chose not to to air the um the opening ceremony, which I thought was unfair, particularly because they're like going on about. Um, one love and and all that it's like but russia hosted the world cup and they're not exactly the best place for LGBTQI. no one made made a big deal no one said anything about that you know and it wasn't that long ago um actually not even forget that when america uh when north america basically including mexico when they bid for the world cup um for the next world cup after qatar and they and they and they won it they, at that time they were in still they were still basically in the midst of an invasion an occupation of Iraq having killed 1 million people be it directly I'm not saying directly but also in as a consequence of the war a million Iraqis have have, have died and then you know they obviously um, destabilize Afghanistan they've destabilized other parts of the world you know fund even even Hillary Clinton um, and a few other you know senior members of of um, I guess Congress were like, the people that we're fighting today are the people that we funded yesterday or funded and armed yesterday. Like, here we are, you know, we're saying like, these guys have a bad human rights record, which I'll get to, as in the Qataris, but like, we are different, we're better. But how? You literally just killed, you invaded the country, destabilized it, killed a million people. And then out of all that chaos came out came ISIS, which then destabilized Syria there's all these other issues around the world that they've they've caused, so it's like what make, what gives black the black lives Yeah, and like and look in your own country, like look how you treat black people in your own country like you're killing children in the u s shooting shooting them basically for like misidentifying them with arms, or black people are in infa- fairly incarcerated um, you know at a higher rate for the same crimes as as non as, as non black people in the u s um you know you have all these far-right kind of like groups that are kind of existing within the united states spewing like some pretty hardcore beliefs or views you had donald trump basically um, posing a ban on muslims and painting them all with the same brush um and then you have the mexican children that were basically being incarcerated without their parents because they're deemed to be illegal immigrants and and all these issues happening and then it's like we're supposed to turn a blind eye because we're being told that you know countries like the united states have this moral superiority you know and these other countries they just don't know what they're doing and they're and you know they're they're just they're terrible with human rights at the end of the day qatar hasn't punished anyone for being homosexual It hasn't he hasn't he hasn't done anything to prove that it was going to um enforce any laws that would be considered draconian or harsh and it's in this history before the World Cup or after the World or during the World Cup, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet. In the US you have all these issues with abortion and all of that stuff. So like why are we why are we sitting here pretending that, you know, where like countries in the West uh, you know have this kind of moral superiority or their uh, their moral high horse and they they know what human rights are and they they're the ones who kind of set the standard for what's right and what's what's wrong. And that, that was incredibly frustrating. And the final point before I give it back to Eli was the issue with... This is how misleading the media is. And now I know how to never really trust the media as well. Like, they kept harping on about 6,500 migrants. This is, this is the whole issue with labor, labor conditions in Qatar. I'm not saying it's, it's great and they've improved a lot. and They have been improving. They said 6,500 laborers have died in Qatar as a result of the World Cup, which is complete lie. Because what they, what they wanted... This is how they manipulated the actual facts. So Qatar got the rights 12 years ago. In the, in the, in the 12 years in the lead up to the World Cup, 6,500 laborers have passed away. They, they, never, they, they never said they passed away in, uh, because of the World Cup or building the stadiums or poor conditions. The actual figure said 6,500 laborers have died on job sites in Qatar. So Qatar has 2 million laborers that, are work, that were working in the country at one point in time. And I think they still have 2 million laborers um, in the country. So if 6,500 people have died over 12 years, that's 0.03%, 0.03%. And not only that, they've died of natural causes, right? Not there's, saying, a natural there's a natural attrition because <laughs> the natural death rate, I can't, I can't remember, it's, I think it's about 3%. So you, So those figures are 0.03 the natural um, death attrition rate is three percent. So I don't know what, what what they're trying to point out or what what, what, what conclusions they're trying to make, but I find, found found it to be incredibly misleading and deceptive. Again, they're just trying to find any reason to say they don't deserve the World Cup. They're not going to host um, they're not going to be good hosts or or they don't have the culture or they don't but like they've proven that if anything, they have a um, they basically have managed to ad- attract so many fans, real fans from around the world. They have managed to create a World Cup that's very family-friendly and woman female. and female-friendly and safe. They've managed to create a World Cup where there's no violence, there's no drugs, there's no hooliganism, right? They've basically... The the, the games, the matches that we're watching are so incredibly um, exciting. And we haven't seen this level of competition in the entire history of the world cup many countries now are competing at the highest level in terms of their standards of play this is no longer a game for just the europeans or even the south americans this is a game for the entire world and the the countries like morocco like saudi arabia korea japan croatia and all these they've shown that the, the we are to be um feared like we are real competition in this in this in this game um and at the same time like again going back like there's more to just human rights than just LGBTQI or whatever you like i can't remember all the all the um, the letters but there's just more to it um you know in the opening ceremony they had a guy who was disabled they it, they were talking about um basically oh yeah the, the guy that was singing the main song he was from korea it was, K- it was k-pop you know it wasn't some eurocentric view of the world as well and that's why what, that's what it's like, this is a very inclusive World Cup. But they just, it seems like the fact that a Muslim Middle Eastern country is hosting it, you know, is just this terrible con- This terrible outcome. It's like, God, how dare the Arabs show that they are like normal people and they're not violent, they're not aggressive, they're not warmongers. How dare they show us that... They're not these war-torn countries or these narratives that, you know, they're controlling and abusive towards their women and they don't know how to have fun and look at these dry countries, right? How can they possibly have an exciting event without alcohol? It's like, but they can because they have that passion and spirit for soccer because they have um, this this kind of like natural um, level of excitement that they can kind of tap into without having to be inebriated and they showed the they, they've just literally showed the entire world that we can all come together and we can all have a good time without having to rely on basically drugs and that's what alcohol is it's a it, 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 it it's a drug it's a it's not a stimulant but a drug so i want to touch on the six thousand five hundred migrant laborers and break like talk a bit more about that so i just want to say like hypothetically here right Let's say that the 6,500 laborers did die as a result of construction um, in, in Qatar. So what, what I find almost... Um, I'm trying to think. It's, it's, the right word isn't hypocritical, but almost illogical, right? Is if Qatar is a country in its development f- um, phase, it's literally trying... So it won the rights of the World Cup. It didn't have enough stadiums or infrastructure to accommodate the millions of fans that would be coming to qatar so we're talking about hotels the stadiums the roads the infrastructure the metro system the you know um all of that stuff like you have to you have to factor all of this in right so Qatar's like okay in the next 12 years we have to go uh we have this ambitious mega uh what's the word um like we have this very ambitious program where we're going to develop, develop all this uh, mega infrastructure to accommodate for the World Cup. So apparently Qatar was spending close to $500 million a day, right? That's almost half a billion dollars a day um, over the, over 12 years, essentially, to build the infrastructure necessary for the World Cup because they are a country who they're not um, like other Western countries. They're not developed. They're in the developing stages. It was five hundred thousand a day. N- no, no, it was it was I think it was close to five hundred million. You can, Sa- Sam, you can fact check that. I'm I'm quite confident it's five hundred million dollars a day. Um so if you just think about it, they're building all this infrastructure, right? Naturally, like there will be um you know safety um, Unfortunately, that is to say, there would be accidents on site. Like you you It's such an ambitious program, and you're trying to build things in such a short period of time. You know, there, there are bound to be, um, unfortunately, safety incidents, right? So, if you look at the history of the developed world, whether it's Australia, whether it's the UK or America, like for example, five hundred million, million a week. Sorry, not a day. Um. So. Um, what I want to say is like for example the Sydney Harbour Bridge 106 as far as we know 166 people died building Sydney Harbour Bridge you know which in 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 terms of scale it's you know uh, compared to what Qatar is doing right like we said building like huge amounts of infrastructure 166 like you scale that over a number of times you know you're naturally just going to get um, people you know dying on site and it's I get it's an unfortunate reality and Yes, does Qatar have um, labor safety standards, or historically had labor um, or safe, like work safety um, issues, workplace safety issues? Sorry, that is to say. Um, yes, that's correct. But Qatar um, underwent a number of labor reform programs, and you know, and this was in working with FIFA to essentially meet um, you know essentially global standards, Western standards. So the idea is. They were making the effort. They were like, "Yep, we hear you and we're going to rectify this problem. We're going to work towards it. You know, just like how all other developed nations, Western nations, over the course of their history had that period to essentially get to where they are today in terms of the labor safety standards. And then on on, on top of that, um, you know, they were saying, well, the the laborers you know who've 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 essentially um unfortunately lost their lives you know they've they've been left destitute right so then they basically said to the qataris that is um these western nations we need you to develop a fund to compensate them equivalent to the earnings that the winning team will get in the world cup which i think is close to like 420 million dollars is the winning the amount of money that you win um so the qataris set up a fund a compensation fund um, for those workers who get injured or, or you know uh, left destitute, like their their, their families left destitute um, as a re- result of workplace safety incidents of I think close to three hundred and twenty million dollars, right? And and they and they've they've actually given out um, a lot of this money, out. So it's not like it's just a promise and nothing was that, like almost an empty promise is what I'm trying to say. So th- again, the idea is look, Qatar is not saying we're not perfect but we're essentially trying to get to where we need to be and it, you know this is this is this is stuff that needs time like you but again like Sam was saying earlier it's just felt like everyone's just like no you see Qatar has human rights issues it's like yeah they've acknowledged that and they're saying this is what we're doing to address it right so this is this is why it's like, this is like why it looks so ridiculous from a non-western anglo perspective right and then on top of that Like the the Anglo world has this very Anglo Western world has this very uh, interesting way of looking at human rights and labor standards because we will wear Nike shoes, we will wear um, shirts. Like for example, we have Target and Kmart that essentially cost five dollars to make and that are made in Bangladesh or even any any piece of clothing, where whether it's sportwear like Nike, Puma, everything is made generally in a third world country, right? Because what we've done in the Western Anglo world, is we've outsourced um, manufacturing, right, of these items, like, for example, the iPhones, which get manufactured in, in China, to these countries, not to say that China is now a third world country, but we'll we'll outsource them to these these countries where they have very, as Sam was saying, lax labor laws, right? And like, we've, we've seen numerous stories about factories collapsing on workers in Bangladesh, right? And it's just like, but we will ignore the fact that you know we're doing this and we're purchasing these or consuming these items and purchasing these items. We'll ignore this and say, we'll adopt a moral high ground. You know, no, we, we don't have any, any blood on our hands. No, we, we do everything the right way. Right? It's those it's those it's those Middle Eastern, it's those Arab like the Arab countries, they're backward. But all you've literally done is um, again, as we were saying, is you've outsourced the issue to, to remove yourself, absolve yourself of any accountability and say, no, that's on them. It's on those countries to basically fix their labor standards. Well, you're essentially enabling them to continue those practices because it's basically a race to the bottom. The, the multinational corporations say, we'll go to whichever country has the, least, the lowest labor standards because we need to manufacture items Cheap. at as cheaply as possible so that we can have high degree, like our profit margins are ridiculously high. And any country that starts to improve its labor standards, for example, Bangladesh or Pakistan, what they, what they essentially will then do is migrate their factories to another country where the labor standards are lower. So for th- that, I'm pretty sure what followed, it's either it was initially Vietnam. From China. So it went from Vietnam. China, Vietnam, Vietnam to Bangladesh, Bangladesh, Pakistan, etc. Like they, they just basically will rotate and move around their factories. So this is the hypocrisy of the Western Anglo world, right? Because they're here criticizing Qatar, yet they have no issues. You know, like, again, you pay lip service and it's just like, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to improve, uh, we, need to, we need to sustain, like, we're try, what's, we have initiatives around sustainable cotton, initiatives around sustainable coffee beans. And it's like, it's like, can't you see the hypocrisy? Like, you're saying, give us time. We're trying to reach uh, a a position where you know we're manufacturing things in a sustainable way, in a in a labour friendly way, and yet you're putting putting the finger on the Qataris and saying you're not doing enough, you're not doing it quick enough. Like it's it's a completely uh, it's a double standard. It's a complete double standard. Then you have the other issue around um, the One Love movement, uh, like Sam was saying, LBTGQI whatever it is, right, which is. Um, again, like the Qataris promised tolerance, they, and it's it's part of the religion anyway. You want they, like you know the West, West in me was like, what if two guys were holding hands? And they're like, they can hold hands. <laughs> we in the Middle East, that's a very normalized practice. They can hold hands. We do not we do not have any issue with that. You know what I mean? But like Sam was saying, they were just trying to find anything because it was so hard. Because the Qataris were actually trying to be very compromising and meet like um essentially just um they wanted the games to, like. To be very successful And they wanted it to work Like they, they weren't Trying to be difficult But in fact It was the other other side That was making it Incredibly difficult on them um, So in terms of Like the one love uh, Armbands Like They just said Hey Like as Sam was saying These are our values Like Your western values Are not Are not any more um, Superior Than our values You know what I mean But there is this Like Sam was saying Again There is this, there's this Western Anglo ideology is that our values are superior and your values are inferior. I mean, that's who are you to make that judgment? It's, Sam, jump in. On, on on that point as well, like I wanted to bring in the, the, the um the case of Germany. So like if you're following the World Cup, the German national soccer team, you know, just before their games would start, like they would cover their mouth um in, in support of like the one love movement. Again, which is fine. Like I'm not like we don't have any issues. Eli and I are, like are very open and tolerant. We're just like everyone to each their own. You live your life according to your beliefs and your values, and there's no, there's no issues. Like not everyone has to overlap into one kind of concentric view of the world or beliefs. That's fine. It's, people should be respectful. Should, people should be tolerant, and and everyone has their own belief system, and and, and that and that that's that's all there is to it. Um, so the the Germans I just thought was so funny because. For them, they're like, you know, again, one of those countries are like, Qatar is, you know, bad in terms of human rights and LGBTQI and all of this stuff. But but it's like, hold on, you want to talk about human rights? Like, Germany is one of the most racist countries out there. I've heard so many people, particularly migrants that have gone to Germany, or even Germans themselves, that, that, that have left Germany and come to Australia. And they're like... Germany is incredibly racist and when when they compare Australia to Germany like Australia is just such a tolerant, open country, and you don't have to look very far like you look at German media right you've got refugees coming in from um from various parts of the Middle East or other parts of the world like Africa because of war, not necessarily war that those countries themselves have caused Western it's Western intervention or destabilization that that have resulted. In, these country, in, in people of these countries seeking refuge abroad, right? And what, what what is their response? They dehumanize the other side, you know? And I'm not saying every migrant is perfect. I, I know they're not. But one, they actually term them, they, they, they the way they view them, they don't look at them as like humans, like in the way they did with the Ukrainians. They're like, basically, they're like some backwater, uncivilized, aggressive, violent, Almost sometimes they imply that they're just like, 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 just all a bunch of rapists that are, that are making their way to Europe, right? And they're just like destroying Europe, which is completely a false narrative. And on top of that, like, the Germans want to talk about, you know, like taking advantage of like cheap labor. After World War II, after Germany was destroyed, and to be fair, Germany was the aggressor in World War II, they sought cheap labor. And so basically, they made an agreement with the Turks at the time to um to basically bring a bunch of turkish um people into germany to help rebuild the country and there are germans today that are like third like turkish germans today that are third generation that are still experiencing discrimination racism and germans are saying we don't want you people we want we just wanted you to come in as cheap labor and then leave and yet they have all these internalized internal issues about Immigration, sorry, assimilation and whatever it is that they're trying to focus on or hop on about rather than say to themselves but how are we any better than Qatar right now because we have people who are third generation Germans and we still treat them like dirt where I'm, I'm, I was told that in Germany only recently last week someone told me from Germany who's German, right? They said on the resumes in Germany if you look white, right? Typically, in most countries, when you submit your resume, you don't put a photo of yourself. But they say, if you have an ethnic name, that's not obviously German, but you look white, you, you have a better chance of getting a job if you put a photo of yourself on that resume, right? But that That's that's ridiculous. And the other thing is, like, in Germany, most people rent. Um, they don't own their own homes. And so, a lot of people who are, who are ethnic don't get actual... Um, they don't get properties leased to them because of their surnames, because Germans have this sense of like well you know we don't trust um ethnic people we think they're like uncivilized i don't know what 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 they think is going to happen you know um but that's that's their that's their viewpoint and i was like okay so like how about you focus on your own backyard right before you know that saying they say those who live in glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones like what are they doing what are they doing what makes you think like first of all Deal with your own racism, deal with your own, um, um, I guess, situations where like, you have all these, these people that are third, second, third generation Germans. And you can't even show them the same level of equality as a, as a, as a, as a person who, let's say their family have, have, have a natural or indigenous to the land, which is fine, right? The world isn't owned by one people. Or no, There's nothing to say that this section of the land belongs to these people. The world is, is open to anyone and everyone. These weird borders that we've all drawn and all that stuff doesn't mean that any particular country owns uh, or any particular group of people own a particular part of the earth. <laughs> and it's a good point. And the funny thing is, like, outside of just the Germans, because we also know that, you know, Again, the UK had issues, Australia had issues, America had issues with Qatar's, you know, human rights um, is- like, issues. And it's like the hypocrisy in it is where was your dissent? Where was your criticism when Israel was awarded the Eurovision contest um, a couple of years back? What about the, the human rights issues around the Palestinians, the Israeli treatment of Palestinian? you know? Um, the subjugation of Palestinians in their own land, um, you know, the imprisonment of Palestinian children, um, just their constant warmongering in in Palestine. You know, the the, the racism in in, in 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 just even if you are an um, Arab Israeli citizen within Israel, the the fact that you're a second class citizen, um, yeah, the constant bombardment, like why would you give a warmongering nation aggressor the Eurovision rights and where? Why wasn't the UK BBC? Uh, why did they broadcast? You know the Eurovision contest. So it's that, that's the interesting question. It's like they and let, let's actually bring it back. Um, and in 1966, I, I believe it was the uh, the, the UK held the, the FIFA World Cup. You know, homosexuality was still um, a crime in in that country. You know, but. You still got the World Cup because at that point in time, not to say that Qatar has to change its values. Its values are its values. You know what I mean? But at that point in time, the UK it was it was a criminal offence to be homosexual. You know, but you still got the World Cup. You know, there, there, no one said no. You don't des- like deserve the right to host it. It was just like okay, those were your views at that point in time. You know, it's not your place to to be judging others. Um, and the, the other interesting aspect is like from an Australian lens is we only recently apolog, apologized to the Aborigines for the stolen generation, for the way that, um, you know, for the fact that children were, t- were taken from their parents and basically institutionalized and, and indoctrinated into, you know, becoming white because we were trying to breed the black out of them, you know. And then yet again, we're taking this moral high ground um, around, around human rights. And even to this day, like, you know, in terms of... Um, Reconciliation And the efforts Around Aboriginal people Like it's It's all It's all Compensating them It's all recent You know what I mean Like so much damage Was done um, To To the Indigenous land inhabitants You know And it's again It's not like Yeah you know what We, We fucked up In our history You know Like we need to have Compassion and mercy Because we're trying to Atone for our sins And you know Our mistakes Yeah we understand The other countries You know they have, they've made mistakes too, you know. But again, like we just take this position of like, no. We the, so essentially to say, there is a clear <laughs> agenda. Like this is where like the point is. That you start connecting the dots, and you just like, surely you know all this stuff. So then why are you why are you behaving this way? And so you can only it leads you to the conclusion, which is there is an agenda out there to build this narrative that this World Cup is an unsuccessful World Cup because it's being hosted by a nation with human rights issues, um, you know, with uh, whether that's labor standards or, you know, uh, tolerance, around, tolerance around homosexuality or even like, you know, again, because it's, it's, it's so trivial that they can't find anything, um, you know, infrastructure issues and yet the, the irony of this is Qatar spent 229 billion dollars, US dollars, on the FIFA World Cup, so just to put this in context, Russia spent, I think, close to sixteen billion dollars. Sixteen billion dollars versus almost two hundred and twenty-nine billion dollars, and you want to present this argument that um, you know the infrastructure was substandard. Again, we're talking about a country, like I said, that does everything five star. To spend that kind of money means you're trying to you're delivering on new facilities you're delivering on um state-of-the-art facilities you know everything is is modern everything is functional everything is new um (laughs) and then on top of that you've just employed over 12 years millions of people from let's just call it the third world and given them a steady income source for 12 years for 12 years and that money, like when they take it back home, means a lot. But it's funny because what, what you'll see is you'll see um, Western NGOs, they'll say, but or just the Western media, you know, they'll find a story of, of an individual who paid they'll say, you know, but he paid two to four thousand dollars or somewhere between two or four thousand dollars to get to Qatar. And it's just like he basically what happens is there are recruitment agencies within um, the workers' local countries, whether it's Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, whatever. And so basically, these recruitment companies, they basically take that two, two, somewhere between two dollars and $4,000 fee to get the worker the job and to basically fly them over to the host nation. So like that, that's like, but they want to present it. I don't know if, if this, this makes sense what I'm trying to say, but they're basically saying that these workers will take out a loan to be able just to even go and work in Qatar, right? But it's like, yeah, it's it's the price of the flight essentially, you know, to get there. Plus maybe um, the recruitment, you know, the fees and whatever, the accommodation. Um, but then and you know they'll say it takes these workers, you know, two to three years to pay it off. It's like, like nothing can be done. It's just the way the like airline industry, the way it operates. Like the cost of a flight. Like if you want to go to a country, it, there's a there's a cost to it. Right, the accommodation, passport, visas, so many aspects. Like again, you can't put that on the host country. Like they're just saying we need workers, and these other countries say we can give you the workers, and it's on the local countries to regulate these recruitment agencies to ensure that they abide by the local standards. You can't necessarily just outsource their responsibility completely to to, uh, to Qatar. If there are uh, if these workers are getting shortchanged, like for example, there are issues about workers not getting paid. Well, the workers get paid through the recruitment agency. So, who is the onus on? It's not... The Qataris are paying their government, government entity. So, it's within the reputational um, interest to make sure that they're paying their workers um, regularly, right? So, that, that money comes to the recruitment agents and if the recruitment agents, they're, they're greedy and they're not passing on... And that happens a lot, you know. They're hoarding the money, they're not passing on to the workers... Why isn't the government stepping in of those countries, and regulating them, and dealing with them? You know, so again, it's just again, it's like it's, it's this issue of not wanting to take accountability, but point the finger on the on the other person, um, or the other country in this case. And yeah, it's just it's just this ridiculous double standard um, hypocrisy. But it's, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing, like. What, what we're seeing is we're seeing a really good World Cup. We're seeing a country that many people people probably didn't even know existed or could pronounce um, has basically pulled off one of the greatest events um, known, I guess, to, to, to man. Um, and, you know, it's probably comparable to the Olympics, maybe even more than the Olympics in my mind. Um, and, you know it's fine like if people if like because the reason why we're focusing on the western media is because there are. if you can see videos online um there are f- people from korea japan um mexico. mexico south america africa other parts of the world being interviewed and then they're like whatever the western media is saying is not true mm-hmm because the asian media isn't saying it anything negative like that the african media isn't doing that the south american media isn't the middle eastern media isn't it's like why are they creating this you versus us it's it's funny because in a way that they've always tried to frame it that you know the middle east they hate the west which we which obviously they don't and if anything they're saying like you know we we basically are not that different we're the same whereas it's like the West has this violent rejection to anything in the Middle East. Like, you know, they built the tallest buildings in the world and then, you know, they'll be mocked. They're like, yeah, I'm sure one day it'll collapse. Or they'll, they're, you know, their economies will be running quite successfully off the back of, um, you know, fossil fuels. And they're like, yeah, one day you guys will be, you'll go back to being desert camel riding dwellers, whatever, um, you know yeah and then and it's like and then like all the but then you know obviously diversifying their economies and creating new cities and economic zones and not only that like then they'll basically be, um, say there'll be like people from the west will be like you guys are so back uh like um not even backwards they're like they'll be like i mean, look actually these countries these gulf arab countries are incredibly um hospitable and accommodating because this they are, they are Muslim countries at the end of the day, right? And they go, look, we will let, because we have a lot of people from around the world working in our countries, you know, you, we won't even hold our rules. Um, we won't apply our rules to you guys. We're like, they're like, you can live in compounds and live according to your own value system. So you can drink, you can do this. But for us, for our citizens, we don't want that. And, you know, they've accommodated to the point where they're like, look, we don't like alcohol. We don't drink alcohol within certain areas and, and fan zones will allow alcohol whereas it's quite ironic because in western media you know like for a very long time um in many developed sorry many western countries it was like they would tell people migrants you know when you come to our country you know these are the rules you have to abide by the rules and you have to assimilate but it's almost like when people from the western countries go to other countries they're like we're going to change the rules for you guys but you don't why why do okay. you where, and then they define themselves as expats, you not know, migrants. but they're not migrants. But in, anyone that comes from any other part of the world to a Western developed nation, you know, you're an immigrant. You know, you're you're here to steal jobs and whatever. But obviously, when you're in Dubai or Saudi Arabia or Singapore, or Hong Kong, you're 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 an expat, and you know you're entitled yeah. to um, a nanny from the Philippines, and and you're entitled to um, let's just say help. Let's just call them help. Let's call them helpers. Um, but there's a a massive level of hypocrisy which which isn't fair and this idea that there's an east-west divide to be honest it's always come from the west because the east has always said you know we're very hospitable you know we love meeting different people we open our homes Um, I don't think there's ever been a case of an eastern nation being an, an aggressor towards the west if anything it's like Last time I checked, the only country that ever used a nuclear bomb was the United States. And they wiped out half a million Japanese citizens, not even military personnel. Um, You know, they always harp on about Iran. Iran hasn't attacked another country in 400 years. Iran was attacked by Iraq because the US was pushing Saddam Hussein to attack the Iranians. Iran hasn't done anything in 400 years. 400 years, right? It's like, drop this narrative, you know, let's st- stop trying to dehumanize the other side. Stop trying to make the other side seem like like they can't achieve anything or like they're not capable of development. At the end of the day, the Middle East is the cradle of civilization. Much of what, much of our civ- our modern day living, and and our, our kind of our understanding of the world, um, even even the computer that we're running this this podcast on, relies on algorithms which were developed by algorithmy, the arabic anything that's that's generally iranian. iranian or the persian yeah yeah and then you, there's heaps of like like three quarters of the stars um in the night sky because of the contribution of the the arabs to astronomy are named have arabic names it's like the, there's more to there's more to there's more like there's obviously a lot more contribution in terms of science and medicine and whatnot but like these are countries that are doing really well and they're developing really quickly and they they're hosting these great events and they actually love you know sports you know, and they and they believe in equality right or at least they're very tolerant and they say everyone in life should just live. They in yeah, but I believe in equality. I believe in no, no, equality. I believe in equality, but as in also like to the extent that they might say everyone, we you know we're tolerant, we're, we're a tolerant society. We're not saying like everyone has to be like us. Um, whereas I feel like in the West the problem is the implication is you have to assimilate you have to be exactly like us you can't be different right but it's like how do we expect other countries to be open and tolerant in the sense of saying hey you should be open to people from of different faiths, of different sexualities, of different blah, blah, blah. But yet in the West, well, since 2001, 9-11 onwards, there was these, these constant debates about whether hijab is, 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 is a, should be allowed or, or shouldn't be allowed. Whether, you know, whether, like, whether, whether like, there's certain things I want to say, that I probably shouldn't say. But like, again, you don't have to look very far. Look in the United States, right? What, what happens to um, African-Americans? When we had COVID, right? The, the Asians in America and other parts of the world they were like, stop Asian hate. But I thought you guys are civilized, developed nations and you're so. Why is there such things happening, right? Because the last time I checked, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see Asians in, in the Middle East saying, um, you know, we're being discriminated against because of coronavirus, right? It was in America, it was even in Australia. And then you had people online like in videos online basically um degrading chinese well not even chinese people asian people and they're just blanketing everyone as well as being like these disease ridden in people like i remember in chinatown in in sydney australia it almost became like a complete dead zone because for some reason people like had attributed coronavirus to the chinese and only the chinese people or chinese areas could get COVID or spread it I think the like you see an extension of also this ongoing narrative, Western Anglo narrative of this institutionalized racism within the me- within their own media and um, to a large degree mindsets. Um, if you want a current example, just look at the fact. So today, the Moroccans um, made it basically to the semifinals in the FIFA World Cup. So we're talking about guys, the first african nation in history to make it to not only the quarterfinals but the semifinals right and not only um an african first african nation but an arab nation a muslim nation and so you would think wow you know this is a big deal like this is unprecedented in history and not only that but the moroccans beat the portuguese they beat the uh, Belgium, Belgiques, Belgium, you know, um, Spain. So, we're talking about European powerhouses for soccer for like decades. They managed to basically beat them. Yeah. And so, you would think you would go into the media, like let's say Australian media and you would see, you know, news dedicated like a page like with pictures and everything. To this moment like momentous occasion right meaningful coverage and the irony guys is so after the moroccan portugal game there was the england france game so where do you think what what do you think the dominant coverage was about the england uh, versus france uh, game like literally i saw in on both uh, very prominent australian news website literally a one-liner um, and it wasn't even the top story or the second story top story or the third top story or the fourth. It was literally Morocco beats Portugal somewhere down like the page um, and no pictures, no images. and it just makes you think like why is it that you're so dismissive of like I'm gonna say like Middle Eastern Arab African achievements like what is your what is this ego, this insecurity you have? about being essentially outdone or outshined by you know people who's who are who have different values, who have different skin colours, who just look different, but like essentially you you know, essentially we're all we're all one. Like I just couldn't understand, but the like they the the prominent feature was the England versus France game, which honestly was a shitty game. You know? There like we watched it was there was nothing interesting about it. You know? Like, the honest, like, it, it, the Portugal versus Morocco game was a thriller, you know? It went down in penalties. So, sorry, it didn't go down the penalties. That's, I'm getting it confused. Um, it was 1-0. The one that went down in penalties was Spain. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was a thriller in the sense of, like, it's... You know, this is a team with Ronaldo and it's got, you know, Goncalves, Ramos, who had just scored in the last match three goals against Switzerland. And the, the Portuguese had scored 6-1 against Switzerland, you know. So, they're like, oh, wow, Portugal is this great team. And it is a great team. But, um, yeah, it's just this, this lack of acknowledgement towards the success of anything which is not European. So, it was just, it was just incredibly offensive and... Like it's what the feeling it does is essentially it just it like it maintains this narrative that like West is best and it's 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 just it how do you expect to inspire um, you know the like the like the you know children within African nations children within Arab nations and not just children but just the general populace like this stuff lifts spirits but you'd rather you know um, keep everyone in this almost like low vibrational state because because your ego is wounded it's just it's very selfish it's very self-absorbed it shows your true colors in terms of like yes you can pretend and parade that you know where we're like we believe in one love and unity and all of this stuff but your actions you know suggest otherwise you really measure a person by the actions not their words so all you do is pay lip service you know that we're this very open-minded, very liberal, very tolerant, very accepting society, and yet when it doesn't align with your own narrative, you just shit on everybody. It's like if you don't want to even give it to the Arabs and the Muslim nation, give it to Africa, <laughs> you know. Like the, but I have to say, one of the commentators was really good. He was a British commentator on the soccer, and he was saying something along the lines of like, you know. It put belief in the uh, i have to have to find it maybe i'll share it at a later point in time but um yeah that's my spiel on it yeah. um i'll pass it to sam but i think we've we can wrap it up i'll just summarize by saying look it's actually a really really good world cup the games are really good um group the group um, group lineups were fantastic um group, ma- group stage matches that is um, and then you have, you know, there's a lot of commentators now out there who are kind of um, supporting and now changing the narrative, which which I'm happy about because I don't want to just be negative. Piers Morgan, who I personally don't like, um, you know, he's been a very strong supporter and he's, he's saying, like, you know, this is a great World Cup and he's he's kind of catching up the hypocrites and, and the double standards. And, you know, a lot of people who are, um, are like senior officials, part of FIFA or high-ranking members um, of this, you know, kind of... This, Football, soccer community—they're saying this is one of the best, probably. Yeah, it, it is more or less the best World Cup in in history. Um, and the reality is, you're seeing that kind of deafening silence. Even even if it, even if it's no longer the negativity, it's it, it's better to have that silence than the negativity. Um, because now people now people who are like harping on about Qatar and trying to bring down you know a very happy occasion, momentous occasion are just being silenced purely by the the, the greatness of the game and, and the hosts and, and what they've achieved you know um, and good good on Qatar for like pushing through through all the criticism and, and hate I personally don't know how how they managed to get through it um, so graciously but their their leadership is, is you know quite impressive and I, I imagine even greater things coming from this country um, in, in the near future so thank you guys and Thank you for listening and and we will look forward to um, seeing you next time.